0: Welcome to the 7th episode of VSTMOL 2022 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Homstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who doesn't need minus 8.5 prescription glasses to see how much bullshit was in this episode, Logan Saunders.
1: Good evening.
0: Good evening. I'm going to get this out of the way. Yes, my team's gone for the first time ever. I have lost my team before the, uh, the final four for the first time ever.
1: My team is in pretty good shape, isn't it? Surprisingly,
0: yes, given how... Shit, your team is on paper. Michelle's going to win, but yours is surprisingly intact.
1: She has everyone?
0: No, everyone's not them all, though. <laughs> she has Kim? She has Kim, and she has Frazier as well. Mm-hmm. Who was way more suspicious this week than the past couple of weeks. And they're being deeply unsubtle about it probably being Kim now this week as well. Which doesn't help. So yeah, not a fun episode. Even regardless of the elimination... Even before I knew that Letizia went, it was already a rubbish episode. It was already an episode I didn't care for at all. And then that happened, which made it worse.
1: The first task was a lot of fun. The third task was very Survivor-esque. All that was missing was Jeff Probst talking about how to build a pole that was long enough and strong enough to reach the bags. And commentary on the cube puzzle. (laughs) And then the second challenge I was indifferent to, um, it could have been edited edited down a bit to a slightly shorter episode. I think they could have gotten away with 54 or 55 minutes rather than the 61 minutes of running time. I think
0: the problem this week is very similar to the problem that I've had with the entire season, which is it just felt very predictable. Like I said last week, we're going to get into this, obviously. I said last week that the idea that they're going to give out the exemption for the finale in the final five was probably ludicrous because they never do that anymore, and that it would end up probably just being a Georgia flowchart situation. And what do you know? It was a Georgia flowchart situation. That sort of stuff. Like the fact that not only I at home can guess these things are going to happen, but also the contestants in the episode were fully saying, oh, there's no way they're giving out the exemption. What the hell? Apart from Fraser, obviously, who
1: searched the entire boat, including the captain. I think she was this close to asking the captain to remove his shirt in case he had a rice gelling on him. But the fact that
0: everyone apart from Frazier knew exactly what the joke was going to be here, it just didn't work. And I know I'm skipping ahead, because there's so much that I have to complain about this episode, but it just didn't work.
1: This is going to be a fun recording session.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, we are recording this on Valentine's Night for Logan. Um, he has been out with uh, with his girlfriend for their first Valentine's Day proper together, despite being together for three years. And um, this is technically our love special, and there isn't a lot for me to love this episode, <laughs> Being be honest.
1: Yeah, you, you should have gone out to an Italian restaurant and uh, walked along the beach, Michael. I don't know if you can really do that in England in early February, but... Maybe it' worth to give it the old college try.
0: (laughs) Well, given that I am away from tomorrow for five six days, I mean, I'm meant to be just about missing the ninety mile an hour winds that are coming in to home from Wednesday. That's going to be fun.
1: Ninety miles an hour? I missed out on this news. Yeah, we're getting some. uh, We're getting some storms this week.
0: The uh, the first of which is up north on Wednesday and uh, meant to be winds of up to 90 miles an hour apparently.
1: 90 miles an hour, that makes the Malta Maltese winds I put up with in November look like child's play. It's also super fun for my parents who are currently
0: at the northern tip of Norway and um, I think they said that it was minus
1: 24 a couple of nights ago Minus 24 degrees Celsius and there's going to be 90 mile an hour winds, that'd be what, 160 kilometres an hour? You can't step outside in that. You, you, The Northern Lights would become the Southern Lights.
0: <laughs> and anyway, with a vague Norway connection, we actually have not even a listener complaint of the week, it's more of a listener compliment of the week, which comes from our good friend Sven Derek this week, who pointed out that we joked that Ronya the robber's daughter was Dutch Pippi Longstocking last week, and it turns out they were both actually written by the same author, Astrid Lindgren. So we managed to somehow stumble upon a fact when we were talking nonsense last week.
1: It's like the Simpsons when they make their predictions or make their connections. They're writing about something and ten years later it turns out to be true.
0: Yeah, we we somehow, without doing any research whatsoever, which is very unlike me especially, um, actually managed to joke something that was completely true. So here's this week's joke. I'm going to make lots and lots of money.
1: Ha 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 ha. Step (laughs) 1, make predictions. Step 2, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step 3, profit.
0: (laughs) So, previously, Sahil's theft of the mole phone came to light as he split the final six into two groups of three, sending himself, Kim, and Thomas to paddleboard in some Russian backyard canals, while Letitia, Everon, and Frazier channeled their inner robbers' daughters to help unlock the cash. With everyone in charge of logistics, the team succeeded at a jet ski challenge before the penultimate opportunity to use exemptions saw Letitia cash in, but Fraser and Sahil double down. Fraser's gamble proved wise she survived, but Sahil went bust and was sent home in sixth place. And they are still in surrender. Rick tells us that Sahil went home with an exemption. Nobody noticed his merciless game. Everyone who suspected him must now renew their suspicions.
1: I think if I was in Saranda, I'd want to wear a sarong, so I could say I'm wearing a sarong in Saranda with somebody named Rhonda. And Susan. Well, then you would need, you would need an orphan, too, and a 1-800 phone number to donate, to. And they now
0: just fit in one van together on day 13. Everyone is confused as to how Sahil went home when he was the only one not putting questions on Sahil. And Thomas says that the mole is someone who is flying under the radar in this cast. Do you
1: think the other van driver is out of a job now? Well, presumably it was just
0: a production member driving the vans. Uh,
1: But they got to help stimulate the local economy. Albania isn't exactly an economic powerhouse in Europe.
0: Yeah, but as we saw a few weeks ago, even with stuff like hanging people upside down out of uh, decommissioned nuclear bunkers, they sure as hell bring in their own people rather than trusting locals. This show is good for tourism and not necessarily for the local economy immediately.
1: I don't know. If I could trust somebody, it would be somebody who is Albanian.
0: This episode's weird already.
1: <laughs> well, I have very little notes, so I got to fill up our usual allotted time with as much nonsense as possible, even more so than usual.
0: And on the subject of trusting, I swear that the gap between trust and nobody gets longer every single week. I want to time it one of these weeks because it it feels like they are extending it every single week.
1: Well, with Vidim, it's always a running time of 61 minutes, right? And and this episode, they didn't exactly have too much material to work with in the editing room. I think by the finale, it's going to be trust. Nobody.
0: (laughs) You do realise I'm going to add like a good 10 more seconds of gap between that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, they need to have Horace juggling uh, in between trust and nobody. Uh, have somebody dance across the screen, or just different different graphics. Maybe they cut away to Antoine Dodson for, for a half a second. Anything they can do to, to fill the gap between trust and nobody.
0: Maybe next season they should just employ us to pick our favourite clips each week of what can go in the gap between the trust and nobody. <laughs> because I, for one, would love to hear, for example,
1: Trust. It is a kink. Nobody. <laughs> or a manual confessional. Just, just throw that in there.
0: Or literally any out of context clip of Michelle Pistenevin. Like, I just want to hear that in The Gap.
1: I want the woman to be chi and the man to be hung.
0: Exactly. That's the sort of thing we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> After 424 episodes, we have a big bank of these clips. Fit and producers, you know where we are. Call us we will happily lend you some of these clips. I mean, for a finale, I would love a face cream montage in there. Just put in the entire, like, three minutes of face cream montages that I've done in the past for Amazing Race. Like, just extend it. Have the family vote of everyone start looking at their watches and stuff. I have no problem with any of this.
1: What they could put on screen is the VCR is the VCR tracking... Uh... The tracking graph that you have when you're when you're trying to get rid of the, the fuzz or the snow on a on a VHS tape, just have the tracking monitor appear on screen, and then Horace says nobody at the end.
0: Nobody. Or alternatively, revolutionary idea: just put a trailer for um, the upcoming season of uh, Belkir in there, because that's what we're actually looking forward to now.
1: I'm looking forward to actually winning our pool for once
0: you're not gonna win, Michelle's gonna win, I'm afraid. (laughs) As much as obviously I don't want Michelle to win because she'll be insufferable, she's gonna win, I'm afraid.
1: Anyway, so Thomas says there was no greater shock than Sahil getting the red screen. No greater shock ever. I thought Stephen Bradbury winning a gold medal in short track speed skating was a greater shock, but apparently not, it was Sahil getting executed at the final six of V is the Bowl. And he says the mole has flown under the radar. Yeah. Do you think that is true? Uh, I think people have been suspecting the mole, just nobody picked the mole as their first choice. I I, just don't, ex- I don't think anybody's going to have a heart attack and pass out at the masquerade ball and require medical attention when they find out who the mole is.
0: I think the mole has not necessarily been under the radar, but this season has had a bit of a problem if the rumours are true. And what I mean by that is, I can't even remember whether I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when the live stream happened for episode one, there was a promo picture that was the mask that you see on the notes. And there was a theory that the mole's eyes were behind the mask. And it got matched up to two different people, depending on, on who you asked. One of them was Lizzie, one of them was Kim. And I don't know if it is true or not. If it is then it is the worst glue that they've done since the infamous one after episode two of, of the Dominican Republic one, where they just absolutely screwed the audience and made it so obvious who it was.
1: I mean, haven't even seen that season yet, but I've heard you, you and Bindles mention it so many times so I'm just like, uh, I assume that's the Dominican Republic example that both of you guys hate dearly?
0: <laughs> yeah, because the problem is, when you're going into a, a mole season, you want to be surprised. I always say, and it's perfect that i'm mentioning this this week when my team go but i always say that i do not mind being wrong on who the mole is so as long as it works in your head as long as it's a pleasant surprise like with leonard in Belkia last year i was reasonably confident it was him but i was never 100 sure that it was him so when it was revealed that it was him and the curtains opened and he said sorry anna Lotte, it was a pleasant surprise for me even though i was reasonably confident it was him If it turns out to be Kim, and one of the clues was, her eyes were behind this mask, I will be very, very hard on production at the end of this season. Because that is a very stupid clue. They know what sort of clue not to do. And if they've done it again, then that is something that they are going to absolutely get called out for at the end of the season by me.
1: Yeah, nobody wants you to have a hard-on for production.
0: No. And I am very rough with certain elements of production for any show we cover, because a lot of these shows can do better. Belkia, not necessarily so much, because that's always amazing. But I want these shows to do so much better. And they said after that stupid clue happened with Dominican Republic that they would never do something as stupid as that again. And if they have done something as stupid as that again, they're going to get called out for it because it's bullshit and they've not learned the lesson. And my worry is, this week, there is the sort of thing that they do to then point at that sort of clue in this episode. Because skipping ahead slightly, when Kim shows off that note after everyone asks her about it, when she shows it off, she puts her eye through the hole that she's created in that note, and that is really suspicious. That is the sort of thing that they put in an end-of-season montage and go, oh, look, Kim was hinting at this, and her eyes being behind the mask of the 250 euro note. And it's like, seriously, guys, don't make that such an obvious clue if it is a clue. So yeah, prepare yourself for three weeks' time, because I might be a bit grouchy about it. If it is Kim, who's them all? And also, I just don't want Michelle to win. I'll be honest. I would much rather you win because it's more entertaining for me if Michelle loses horribly. (laughs) So
1: let's herd some sheep. Oh, no, goat. Goats. We can't say sheep. I just lost us 15 euros from this podcast. Shit.
0: I'm going to fine you 50 euros every time you say the word sheep on this podcast.
1: I wish they would have found a funnier word to substitute sheep for. Like, I don't know refer to them as condoms or, um, I don't know, what's what's another funny word? Pickle weasel? Just say, oh, heard the pickle weasels. Yeah, they, they they could have had so much more fun, but no. They just had to say, yeah, let's just say goats instead of sheep. And then it'll trigger Thomas to do his best impression of Hulk Hogan swirling his hand before putting it to his ear.
0: I'm going to play a little game with you now. Can you guess my two main problems with this uh, challenge? Uh,
1: can I guess? Can I, um, you don't like sheep.
0: No, I, I don't mind sheep. They're very tasty.
1: <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one. The fact that they are just finding people for saying the word sheep is stupid. It's, it serves no purpose other than to probably let them all sabotage easily. Number two, probably more importantly, the penalties are punitive in this challenge. Because for every correct sheep they get, they get 15 euros. For every incorrect sheep, or for every time they say the word sheep, they lose 50 euros.
1: Uh, One thing I wrote down in my notes is, it's a very odd number. Uh, Two two strange numbers to pick together in a challenge. Because 15 does not go evenly into 50. Yeah, It's 15 times 3.3. (laughs) <laughs>
0: it also gives them the possibility of stupid maths again in the ending of this challenge not necessarily so much because there is a bit of a bit of jiggery poker they can do between the two challenges that actually earn money in this uh, in this episode to make it work as they actually do in the end but they're setting themselves up for a much more difficult time to actually fulfill the amount of money that they can win in this challenge
1: They could have just said 50 50 euros per correct sheep, 50 euros per incorrect sheep, 100 euros for each time you say the word sheep. I get that they didn't want to give
0: away a ton of money in this challenge, but also, they kind of need to play the game a little bit and make them significantly fairer. Like The fact of the matter is, they have 25 euro notes. They can use 25 euro notes here and still make it work.
1: Yeah, that's not what I mean. Just make it 20, or you could say, yeah, 25 euros per correct sheep, 25 euro deduction per incorrect sheep, 50 euros per time you say the word sheep. They should never
0: be having a challenge where you earn multiples or something and not have those multiples be multiples of notes you have in your game. That's what it boils down to, I think, for me. After the last three weeks of rants on the same topic, I think they just need to have a flat rule that is, if we don't have it in a note, they cannot earn it in a challenge.
1: I was also, it was also quite the coincidence that this challenge took place in the town of K Sahil. It's
0: K Samil Samil, whatever will be, will be.
1: Oh, k okay, Samil, one letter off. My apologies. I think it is actually pronounced Samil. It's, this, it's a silent K like Knife or Knave, knickknack, New York, New York Knicks, evil con evil. So yeah, on the way to the town of Samil,
0: Kim correctly predicts that they'll be doing something with animals. They'll be split into two teams and walk towards each other from a start point a few hundred metres apart. They'll be walking with a flock of sheep, and assuming they reach final destination, they will need to sort their flock by names to earn up to €1,500. For a perfect set, they will earn a €500 bonus. Each incorrect sheep will cost the group €50, and each time
1: the word sheep is said, it will
0: also cost them €50.
1: Do you find it suspicious that Kim not only predicted it would involve animals, but it would involve sheep specifically? Yeah,
0: and also the fact that she ended up being paired with the one person in the end of this episode who didn't end up suspecting her. I know I've said this before, I don't like production-decided divisions either. It always feels a little heavy-handed.
1: Yeah, I I was quite surprised that it was Rick who said, okay, Thomas, everyone, and Frasia, you're here. Letitia and Kim, you're over there, and I'm thinking, well, Just let them choose. Why does it? Why does it freaking matter? I
0: kind of get why they did it because obviously the pens had had to be set up, but let them pick their division on the way there,
1: or let them look at the sheep and decide to and to strategize what they what what because that's one way that mole could sabotage too is come up with some ridiculous excuse for how the two groups should be separated.
0: Or just mix all five groups of sheep in the pens. You can still let them decide then and there who who starts where, but you know, let them just mix up the sheep. Make it even more difficult in theory.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, if you mix it up mix up the names attached to the sheep, you can also increase the time limit and say, Okay, if now it's a bit tougher instead of twenty five minutes, just make it a forty five minute challenge.
0: So yeah, everyone, Thomas and Letitia, are sent off one way, and Kim and Frazier start where they all met up. And it is discussed whether Kim's spiritual bullshit is actually true. Spoilers, it isn't. It's producers in her ear saying, oh, you know, they're not even on you. Have a little fun with them.
1: What's the plural of Thomas? Because there are two different ways that people are express- expressing the plural for Thomas. They either said Tomasson or Tomasses. Th- both are hilarious. <laughs> Tomasses.
0: It's Thomas E S in English, but I'm assuming the uh, I'm assuming the Dutch is
1: Tomassen. Tomasses, don't be such a Tomass. No one, no, no one knows who the all is. You're all a bunch of Tomasses. You all thought it was Sahil.
0: Oh God, I really hope Thomas fulfills his legacy and just gets to third in the finale. He just needs to be the losing finalist, doesn't he? I know I've been hard on Thomas this season and describing him as looking like Dalcidius, which he does in his profile picture, but Thomas has been the absolute comic relief I wanted this season. He's brilliant, and I don't understand how, how anyone could not think he's the funniest person in this cast, because he is.
1: What Rick should do if Thomas is the final victim or whenever he gets executed, he should just try to say with a completely straight face, uh, Thomas, can you thomas for me where you think you went wrong this season? So Fraser accidentally
0: lets the sheep go And Kim herds another group through Kim uses a dress as a pair of directional flags And they all go back in the pen The flocks then cross over and it all goes as badly as you'd expect
1: Yeah, Kim wasn't exactly wearing ideal uh, Sheep herding clothing She was using her skirt like a matador Like a, mat- like a matador red blanket
0: she was using her skirt like a pair of flags when you're trying to trying to um, herd a, a flock of ducks. Traffic. Redirect
1: traffic this way. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe really missed out on what to do with her
0: skirt. They place the Everon sheep in Thomas's pen and the Kim sheep in Frazier's pen as the other pens are full. Kim and Frazier decide to bring over the Leticia ones. They bring over the Phrases and then decide that if the sheep are wrong, just throw them out the pen. It doesn't matter. And then Frazier also cost them another 50 euros after Kim did it first by saying the word sheep. And I have to say, they missed the obvious tactic for this challenge. There is a really easy way to win it. And it's a logic puzzle more than anything. Assuming there were three pens on each side, which there probably were, then you use the other pen as the spare. You move all of the sheep at the same time into that spare pen. You then filter out whoever the, uh, the sheep you want to move are, and only move those ones over. Move those to the correct pen. Do the same, bring another load of sheep over, mix them up, shift them over as necessary, and just do it that way. And then at the end, you herd all the sheep out you don't need if you're not going to go for the full 1,500
1: euros. It seemed like they gave up a lot faster than they usually do, where they say, oh, who cares, just throw them all to the pen. They didn't. They weren't really keen on planning out this whole challenge from start to finish. They took over half of the time to actually move sheep. Maybe the challenge was, this, was just too difficult. Difficult to do in twenty-five minutes, realistically. Regardless if there was any mole sabotaging or not. If, if the, the, I mean, animals are unpredictable. If the sheep aren't going to do what you want, even though you're trying to use your best techniques, the mole doesn't really have to tilt the table much, and you're going to be screwed within those twenty-five minutes.
0: I mean, obviously on the surface this challenge is fun because it's animals and people can never control them. But I just didn't like this challenge.
1: Yeah, I. I just thought it was a fun. It's one of those challenges where I feel like no matter if they win or lose, everyone's still going to have a good time. It's one of those rare challenges where at the end of it, if they lose a few hundred euros, they've earned so much money in this, this season compared to seasons past that they don't seem too torn up over losing a few hundred euros.
0: Yeah, I, I'm never a big fan of challenges that just feel too difficult for the team to win money in. If they lose because of their own volition, then that's absolutely fine. But it just feels too difficult for them to even win anything in this challenge.
1: I must say, there was a tunnel-busy moment with everyone this episode, or this this challenge, where he went out of his way to be really energetic and was really frantic, and everyone else was calling him out on it, it, telling him to calm down.
0: Didn't even notice that, I'll be honest, because I am not tunnel-busy on him at all.
1: Yeah, I actually I wrote that down in my notes saying everyone is being too energetic and making the sheep frantic. He has to calm down. And then and then everyone else is saying ever poor choice of words, no one's gonna know who I'm referring to. The other the other the other candidates.
0: This is the curse of what you did earlier this season. You ruined it for yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the other candidates tell everyone, Hey, you have to calm down or else the sheep aren't going to listen to you.
0: So everyone told everyone that everyone was being too frantic. Yes. Right. Just so we're abundantly clear on that.
1: And there were some fun moments with, uh, with Frazier saying, oh, the sheep are being really uncooperative here. They're just doing whatever they want to do. They're free spirits. They're, they really are acting like Kim sheep.
0: <laughs> there was a really suspicious thing from both Kim and Frazier at the end of this challenge where they just decide to throw all of theirs in a pen. So at least they got something. Not realizing that the penalty for a wrong one is way steeper than the benefit
1: for a right one. Yeah, when that was happening, I was thinking, did I was there a, was there a translation issue? Was it fifteen and fifteen and fifteen fifties? Was because I had my notes thinking, wasn't it fifteen? You earn fifteen and you lose fifty. You you earn one five, you lose five zero. And then Kim and Frazier said, ah, you know, just put them all on the pen. I, from what we visually could tell there were a lot more kim sheep in the kim pen and i think they did the same with the other group too saying oh yeah there's a lot there's a lot more correct ones but i'm thinking there's a difference between there being a lot more correct versus incorrect and it being a three and a third to one ratio of it being correct to incorrect
0: yeah it just stank that to be perfectly honest <laughs> So, Rick tells them that 29 of the 100 sheep were in the right pen, but 19 of them were wrong, meaning that 515 euros is deducted from the pot. But they also said the word sheep six times for a total of minus 815 of 2000 euros for the challenge.
1: And it was also a 25 euro penalty if you stepped in gum and a 10 euro penalty if you sneezed during the challenge. So then they lost another 200. But overall, I I, th- I thought it was a funny thing, especially with how Thomas was reacting. Like, oh, what's the word you just said? And did his whole Hulk Hogan thing. I just thought it was a I I personally thought it was a fun challenge overall. I think it'd be fun to try and herd herd sheep for a while, regardless if they won, won money on it, in it or not. And then the fact that everyone had such over-the-top reactions whenever they said the word sheep.
0: I would also be remiss if I did not point out that the ticker for their money goes down to €11,245 which is still wrong it's also impossible for them to pay out, note wise it should still be 11345 because of their incorrect call last week
1: I think the production needs their own uh, Penny Macer or or their own accountant
0: (laughs) production needs me, that's what it boils down to production needs me (laughs) to just turn around to them and go, no, that's wrong. Seriously, guys, do some maths. It's wrong. Because I know I, I did say this last week, I wasn't the only person to spot it. Um, it has now apparently been updated on the um, the English Wikipedia page for uh, Vista Mall, uh, presumably because of someone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> so if my instinct is correct on that, then thank you whoever did that. You're fighting the good fight. <laughs> Um, so Rick then tells us that they'll be making the trip to Girocaster on day 14, the hometown of Albania's former dictator. First, though, they will be looking to win themselves an exemption for the finale at the beach, looking for Molly's and
1: Millies. Molly's and Millies? Millie Mole. They're going to look for Millie Mole from Amazing Race Season 4? I don't have much to say about this challenge other than... I don't know if there was much of a purpose to have each contestant go to Rick one by one other than the only thing I can think of is that maybe right then the contestant would be looking around to see where the mole was and they just didn't bother mentioning that on air. If somebody was just going to look around to all the huts and think, hmm, if I've seen enough past seasons of Vidom, the mole could be hiding underneath one of the huts. So maybe that was another, another thing to throw off the trail because it ends the season pretty quickly if everyone knows exactly how to spot the mole in a meet the mole challenge. Yeah, the problem for me, and obviously
0: I love meet the mole challenges, this is technically a meet the mole challenge and it's the first proper one we've had since, since George's flowchart challenge. The problem is they're doing exactly the same joke as they did last time. Everyone is so aware of what they did in Georgia, because it is such a big moment in the season. Other than the the we're not in Kiev friend moment, it's probably the big moment of of the Georgia season, in terms of stuff that people will remember, especially if you're re-watching seasons before you go on the mall. The problem is they're reusing the same joke. And just like I said in the recap for Georgia episode one, when we did that in Historians last year, it's a brilliant twist to do the we're not in Kiev friend moment, but it hits differently on a rewatch when you know it's coming. In exactly the same way, this episode. This twist is not as fun on a rewatch because you know what the punchline's going to be, because this is essentially a rewatch of that challenge. It's just, here's some money to distract you, whilst also the mole sneaks behind you. That's less fun to
1: me. Is, did, this, did the person who wrote Pippi Longstocking and what was the Dutch story? Uh, Ronya the robber's daughter. Yeah, so the per- same person did Pippi Longstocking, Ronya the robber's daughter. Does that person also write Molly's and Millie's? I can't find anything on Google about
0: Molly's and Millie's. And I want this to be the listener correction next week. Someone tell me where this comes from. Is it a uniquely Dutch thing that we just don't understand? Because I've never
1: heard of it. Is it a Dutch version? Is it a Dutch version of the pop group Millie Vanilli? I did a quick Google when I watched this episode yesterday. I have no idea
0: what the story behind Molly's and Millie's is. And it feels like a cultural thing that we just are not getting.
1: I I like how before the the challenge started, Letitia said, oh, it's kind of like photographing the Dalton Brothers. I'm thinking, okay, thank you. Even though that's from Belgian culture, I'm glad we got a Dalton Brothers reference. (laughs) That I can work with. I kind of have an idea of what they're supposed to photograph now. So, with this challenge, if you're excellent at Pokemon Snap, you're probably going to photograph the mollies, and the, the mollies and millies quite accurately, because you're in a fixed path by the boat, and you only have six pictures to work with. So you your six best to Professor Oak, and you get, and he gives you euros in exchange. In
0: the same way that the first challenge felt very much like it was just rigged for the. Uh... For the team to lose money. This one felt like it was rigged for the team to win a lot of money. It felt
1: like they essentially just wanted to make that first challenge pointless. I wish the crook was somebody... Imagine if there was a crook on the beach, and then an actual crook who broke out of prison, but nobody catches on because it's part of the challenge.
0: I will applaud production for one thing in this challenge, and that is not making the crook a former mole. Because, for the love of God, they would have loved to do that two years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Rob. It's Rob in
0: disguise. <laughs> it absolutely would be
1: Rob, wouldn't it? Rob hasn't reappeared yet. <laughs> Why does the crook have a have a guitar in his hand? Or a ukulele? Why is the crook wearing a Stetson? And and Kim Kim flirts with a lot of the with a lot of the Millies. The the men are Millies, right? And the women are Mollies. I would assume so, yeah. Which is kind of funny because I don't know about how it is in England, but in Canada, I would say 99% of the time, Molly and Millie would both be names of, of women, unless you're talking about the pop group Millie Vanilli. Yeah, I would say so.
0: The only male Millie that I... It's very hard to say male Millie. The only male Millie that I know of was on Hell's Kitchen. So Rick sells them individually that uh, they can use the next assignment as an exemption for the finale. They will be on a boat and have to photograph six mollies or millies. Each one's worth €50 of the pot. However, if they photograph the thief, then the photo is worth nothing. And I even have this note right here, so it's not an exemption for the finale then. It's the Georgia Flowchart all over again. Which is what I said last week. And they can only take six photos, and a molly or millie is someone wearing a stripy bathing suit, apparently. Kim says she's very short-sighted, her prescription is minus eight and a half, which is, you know, getting up to legal blindness. And the thief is wearing a striped bathing suit as well, but yellow rather than blue and white. And even after watching this challenge once through, I'm still none the wiser about where Molly and Millie come from. Aferon says he loves to photograph for Instagram and stuff, so he's very excited to use a DSLR rather than a shitty camera for once. And he takes a picture of a guy in a striped t-shirt, as well as the thief. And then Frazier describes it as being like, Where's Wally? The locals keep waving at her, so she searches for an exemption for the finale, including searching the boat driver.
1: Yeah, and so she said it was, Where's Wally? And then not only was she searching Molly's and Millie's, but she was searching the captain's Willie. It's like she mistook what show she was on and thought
0: she was on the mass singer and just started chanting at someone, Take it off, take it off, take it off.
1: Yeah, she conducted, I think it was the first strip search conducted on the mole.
0: No, you cannot do Alche like that. Do you not remember Alche's strip searching people? (laughs) (laughs) She groped Ruben.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't go over too well in 2022.
0: Thomas takes a picture with the edge of the boat in, as well as another with the thief in. Tisha says that the mole will be on a boat or somewhere on the beach. and She also thinks she recognised her mole walking past the thief
1: on the beach. And then as soon as she said that, you know what I wrote in my notes? I wrote down, as soon as Letitia said, I think I recognize my mole in a Millie or Molly suit, I wrote down, Letitia will be executed this episode. That's what I wrote down right away. I I was thinking about
0: the, the pool decision and the switch decision that I made about whether to go for um, Letitia or Kim, and I'm probably going to have made the wrong choice there now. I was thinking about that on Saturday before the episode even aired, and I'm like, I just have a bad gut feeling for Letitia this week. I don't know why, but I have a really bad gut feeling. So I went into this episode being like, yeah, I'm probably going to lose my team here. And when it happened, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I'm
1: not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. These things happen. And at the end of it, Rick says, lucky for you guys, you are better at shooting photographs than you are at herding sheep. Yes, they got 17 correct photos. But
0: also a thief, meaning that they earned 850 euros of 1500 for the challenge. He hands them 35 euros as that's the balance of the two challenges, meaning 35 euros of 3500 for the episode and 12,195 of 47,540 for the season so far, plus 250 euros that Kim hoarded.
1: And then is very confused because she said, How did we earn that much when I really sucked up the challenge and only took two pictures? And then everyone took a picture of the crook, so he he lost money for the pot.
0: I think everyone pretty much took a picture with uh, with the crook in it. Maybe one person didn't, but pretty much everyone did, I think. So I don't think, sadly, you can read much into that.
1: And we go from crooks to
0: crooked streets. And he tells them that if they paid attention they could have all had an exemption for the finale. I have a thought on that in a minute, but but they literally missed the boats, as the mole was in sight and sailed right past them. It's the Georgia flowchart all over again, and I did call that. And apparently you can see a boat in the background of a lot of shots in this episode. I wonder if they were wearing their flippy floppies.
1: I'm on a boat.
0: So yeah, my thought on Rick saying they could have all had an exemption for the finale. That's not how it works, Rick. Someone still had to go home in this episode, it just would have been significantly more unfair for everyone if they knew for certain who the mole was, because it then would have literally come down to time. There was no structural way for everyone to get through the next two episodes. Someone has to go home. Every single episode this season. So it's no good them saying, oh yeah, you could have all had an exemption for the finale, because that's not how it
1: works. And we get yet another scene about Kim hoarding the money because Thomas wants them all to count the money together. And we get a confessional from Kim saying, ah, with the 250 euros, I accidentally swam with it, I folded in my bra, and I folded it a thousand other times. There was even a hole in it. Yeah, and then she looks through the hole, <laughs> potentially referencing
0: that clue that I told us about at the start of the episode. Mark my words, if that is a clue... Three weeks' time, I'm going to be very angry. I'm going to be very excited, because I'll be on holiday the next day, but I'm going to be very, very angry. (laughs) Uh, So, they head inland to Girocaster on day 14, and I was under the impression until this episode that Girocaster was either a wizard who specializes in Greek kebabs or Italian cycling races.
1: I thought it was the Albanian sister site for Zencaster.
0: It is. And at breakfast, everyone speculates why everyone has not joined them, He's just bad at timekeeping, and we find out that Letitia now has the phone. If he
1: can't keep time, then why is he the Penny Macer? He can't keep time, he just can keep money. But time is money. It's a solologism. So... Rick meets them all
0: at the Girocaster Castle, as we see on the screen, which is a tongue twister. It's actually called the Girocaster Fortress. He does his test speech in front of them, and the test will be a battle between them all. They will start the test at the same time, but along the way there are three mini-challenges to complete. Next to each table is either a question mark, nothing, plus one minute, plus two minutes, or plus three minutes. In the event of a tie,
1: whoever is slowest will go home. I wish they would have had one table set up with a pizza. and so like, you have this one, question mark, plus one minute, plus two minutes, plus three minutes, and a pizza. And he also asks about Frasier's
0: exemption, and she plays it, therefore sitting out this assignment. It is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole who knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Frazier has an exemption to play and it must be played this week, meaning that she is not taking this test.
1: It was odd the way Rick asked because he asked her as if she had a choice. Yeah, she could have played it for someone else in theory. I guess so if she was that certain. Imagine if she played it for someone else and then went home. She'd feel like a Tomass. Is this just going to be a thing now? Uh, we'll see you next week.
0: And it also explains the scene that I didn't mention last week, because I assumed that if an exemption for the finale was won, that it would be Frasier who won it. Um, we did see a scene in the Next Time trailer of everyone apart from Frasier running up the the hill at the at the fortress, so this explains it. The first mini-challenge is assembling a pole to grab a hanging bag. Thomas takes a fall. Aferon grabs a few bags just to be sure. Thomas brute-forces it and whacks the bags from the hooks. And then Kim settles for one bag and runs to the second challenge. The second challenge is to use a catapult to break bottles. We each have to hit three green bottles off the wall to be able to move to the third stage. And Leticia even reminds us that the last time she used a catapult was on the beach, and she was rubbish with it. Having said that, she hits her first bottle pretty damn quickly. Kim then runs out of ammunition and has to grab another bag. Leticia works out the tactic, but runs out of ammunition as well, as does Thomas, Thomas's top pole is loose and keeps falling off. And then Kim gets two bottles and runs out of ammunition again. And nobody lends her any. Everyone gets down to one bottle, and then Thomas, of all people, is his bottle first. The third challenge is a classic Survivor puzzle challenge to build a cube from puzzle pieces.
1: All three challenges were taken straight from the American version of Survivor. They had to build a pole that was long enough and strong enough to retrieve a bag, then they had slingshots to break bottles, and then they had to solve the cube puzzle. All that was missing was hiring Jeff Probst temporarily to do commentary on the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and none of them are very interesting to talk about, to be perfectly honest. The interesting thing to me is the fact that nobody seems to know how Tetris works. Yeah, Tetris isn't a cube. Yeah, this puzzle is not anything like Tetris, and in fact, if you're playing Tetris like trying to build up a cube... You're doing it wrong. You're supposed to remove lines, not increase them.
1: Yeah, if you're... No no wonder they were so bad at this.
0: Yeah, Kim and Everon both compare it to Tetris, probably showing both of their respective ages, to be fair, because they're quite similar in age, I think. But Everon says he loves Tetris, so gets it all under control. Even though, you know, Tetris
1: skills. Zero comparable skills here. One thing I would like to note is that Leticia and Thomas nearly 13 didn't drive each other by nearly killing each other with the poles when they were trying to grab the bags at the same time.
0: There did seem to be a bit of a lax attitude to health and safety, to be fair, given how vulnerable they were when the poles started falling off each other, and also the fact that nobody was wearing goggles or anything when they were shooting those capsules. (laughs) Literally anything could have happened. I don't know whether it's kind of the the afterthought of the pandemic and me going, oh, they should be thinking about safety a little bit more here, but they're putting rubber very near their eyes with ball bearings.
1: With people who are very inexperienced.
0: Yeah, with people who are very inexperienced, and also Thomas, of all people. The dude's a klutz. He fell over on a flat ground at the start of this challenge.
1: And this is one of the longest Vidim challenges we've seen in quite a long time. Do you think it matters at all where the mole was here? There's no money involved, right? I was thinking the only thing that the mole might want to do is they might want the question mark envelope so that if somebody else were to have the question mark envelope and they want to test out their mole and the mole gets a green screen, then it might expose that person and become more of a suspect. But otherwise, I don't think it really matters too much.
0: I think another thing I have a little problem with this episode is the fact that the mole really doesn't have much impact. Because if you think about the challenges this episode, you have the sheep slash goat one, where the mole has at least a little bit of an impact and probably a little bit too much of an easy ride there. You have the second challenge where the mole is completely alone and just gets to sneak past people and probably earns like 100, 150 euros at most for the group. But no one ever knows the breakdown on that. And then you have the third challenge, where it's ultimately irrelevant what the mole does.
1: Well, essentially how I classify mole challenges is you have two categories. One are challenges that you earn for the pot or lose from the pot, and that the mole tries to actively sabotage. And then your second type of challenges are the, the twist challenges, such as meet the mole, or the trick ones with the suitcase exchange or ones where it's just an exemption up for grabs, which you see more so in the American version. So those are really the two types of challenges you have, and two out of three challenges in this episode were essentially twist challenges, where either there's no money up for grabs or the the money doesn't really have anything to do with it. Like the mole's only goal in the second challenge was was to be in that boat. I don't think the focus for the mole there was to try and sabotage anything. And then this third challenge, there's not a single euro up for grabs here.
0: I think the best position for the mole in this challenge is to do badly and is to try and bait them into being the person who they, um, who the question mark user then asked to see the screen of, because the mole's going to be safe regardless. So if the mole adds three minutes to their time, the mole doesn't care. And that's the obvious position an obvious person to choose, because you go, well, in the event of a tie, they're going to lose anyway, which was Thomas's tactic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he and Thomas played it correctly or he picked the ball. He said, Well, I'm only gonna choose the only reason I'm choosing Letitia is because there's a tie, she goes home instead of me. <laughs> she's gonna be she her time she's if we if we tied, as long as I did it uh less than two minutes slower than she did, then I'm safe. Do you like this twist? I don't mind it as a one-off thing. I don't think it's a twist I want to see repeated frequently. But it's—we've seen even last season, we've seen far worse twists than this. And and I was thinking, hmm, somebody, somebody else could have had the question mark on Gulp or willingly choose it and and play it horribly wrong, because then you have to figure out, oh, do I just? Go for the person who has the plus two minute time penalty, so they go home in a tie. If I happen to have the worst score too, or do I pick the person who I think is the mole, but then I'm exposing who my suspect is to everyone else. So I liked how there were a few different routes that one could take with this. And then Thomas's route was, I just want to make sure I survive this specific round. I don't care if I tilt my hand at all. Or if I don't find out any information in the process.
0: I think it's very interesting that there is such a Georgia vibe this week in terms of them actively stealing the the flowchart challenge. But also the fact that this twist really doesn't land how production wants it to, I think I don't think for a second that production want want that twist to play out in the way that it does with the first person screen being instant red and just sending him out.
1: I mean, the ideal shock reaction is, Letitia is safe, they type in Thomas's name, and Thomas goes home, and it turns into consecutive weeks of big blunders, where Sahil doesn't play his exemption, and then Thomas goes home, and he could have been safe.
0: Exactly. It goes back to something that we've said a couple of times this season, which is their silly mistake with putting so many exemptions in the game derailed all of their plans this season. Because it's meant that, time and time again, they had all these exemptions that could have been played, which means they can't introduce any more. It it meant that they couldn't do anything, really, with the surprise finale exemption this week, even if they wanted to. But with this twist, it ruins it because it means that there is a chance that nobody picks the question mark. In Frasier, having that exemption, you can easily have it when nobody goes for the question mark. Because there is too big a risk. Obviously, never going to happen. But there is the chance of nobody picking a question mark here.
1: And the other element to that is, with Frazia and Thomas being potentially exempt, if neither of them are the mole, that means Letitia and whoever the other person is that isn't the mole, it's a 50-50 shot of going home.
0: Yeah, and assuming that if Letitia didn't play her exemption last week assuming that she didn't lose to Sahil last week, she could have also had an exemption. So we then would have had, potentially, Fraser and Letitia both playing their exemptions, so not taking part in this challenge. You then would have had Thomas still winning the challenge because it would have just been those three. So he would have hit the question mark. He would have saved himself. It then would have been Evron and Kim who were vulnerable. And both of us think that one of those two people is the mole. So it would have been an instant red for somebody.
1: Yeah, 100% chance of going home. (laughs) If you're picked by Thomas.
0: Going back to what I said at the start of the episode, something we joked about last week could have genuinely happened because of their lack of foresight this season. And I don't want to rag on this season too much because it's been significantly better than Czechia was and significantly better than China was and significantly better than Colombia was. But for the love of God, they need to think about things. What if
1: the really crazy scenario is if Sahil survived the last execution, Letitia didn't use her exemption, Letitia, Sahil, and Frazy were all safe from this, Thomas wins the challenge, and the mole is the only one who could be picked. Then Thomas would
0: have gone home.
1: <laughs> then Thomas goes home by default. That would have... It's like, what's the point of the dilemma? Thomas has only one person to pick, what's the point? (laughs) There's no dilemma. (laughs) They dodged a massive
0: bullet by Sahil going home last week and by Letitia playing her exemption last week, but they really need a bit of foresight with this. They cannot have a challenge like this so late in the season when they've put so many exemptions into the season and no requirement on when those exemptions are going to be used. Because they forced the exemptions to be used by this week and in doing that, and then coupling it with this twist, you are having a recipe for disaster there.
1: Yeah, 50-50 odds of Letitia potentially going home this week. And that's a that's a bit extreme for Final Five. I think if they had the twist last week, it works so much better.
0: Oh, definitely. Because then you have someone like Sahil in there. Sahil is a massive loss to the season, and we didn't really eulogize him that much, to be fair. He's a massive loss to the season because he is that chaotic element, and that element that automatically attracts a lot of suspicion from people, and it it's just that spark in a season that you do need to have someone like that, who constantly probably isn't the mole, but is just ever so slightly antagonistic enough to make people think they're the mole, and to just cause a little bit of chaos in a twist like this. So Letizia's gut told her that she wasn't right, she had a lot of fun and has missed going on adventures recently, to be fair. She wills the phone to everyone meaning that it's probably going to be important next week, because Rick actually asked for it. The next time, everyone steals rugs to cover a street, metal detecting is somehow not boring, and Frazier asks the group to make a shipyard look sexy.
1: She thinks my shipyard is sexy.
0: I suspect I know the answer to this question, but we're down to one suspect. Who is your suspect?
1: Everyone. Everyone is my number one suspect.
0: He's sticking with that for the seventh week on the trot. Yep, He's
1: your right or die <laughs> Tunnel busy to the max
0: I said this to you last week With hill going home It means that we will at least Between us have suspected them all once If it's Thomas He's only been suspected once uh, Everyone else Has at least a few I think I think Frazier's on four uh, Kim is on a lot Kim's got loads And everyone's got loads Um, unsurprisingly Kim is now my number one suspect mainly because I can't see it being any of the others sadly as much as I would love it to be literally anyone other than Kim not just because I didn't steal her and I got it wrong when I did my switch but I just think that she is the least interesting option of the final four to be the mole but I have a horrible feeling she probably is the mole I had this slight argument with Bram on on Instagram last night because he's very much been gung-ho on Kim been the mole since the unmasking special. And because we come into these seasons knowing absolutely nobody, maybe with the exception of someone like Nikki who did make international fame. I was vaguely aware of Nikki before her season, but never never to the extent that obviously Dutch people are. We come into this with a, a blank slate, we don't know pretty much any of these people and I know people are going to brighten in and go, you don't know Kim Leanne, she did Eurovision. I'm like, mm, I don't always watch Eurovision. I am very sporadic with my Eurovision watching. So I have no real gauge on these people. I have no love for these people pre-season. So if you're a super fan of someone like Kim and you go, oh my god, Kim's on this season, oh my god, she's a mole, then obviously you're going to be a lot more gung-ho about her potential being the mole than I am. I don't think she's the best character in the cast. I don't think she's the best character in the Final Four. I would probably say she's third uh, in terms of the entertainment value I take from a season. But I have a horrible feeling... It just makes... it. She makes the most sense as a mole, sadly. But she's also the least palatable as a mole. And this season is probably going to drop a few points in my estimation. If she ends up being the mole. Um, so yeah, in the pool. We'll skip over this quickly. In the pool. I've obviously got no team left. Logan's got Avron and Thomas. And Michelle has Fraser and Kim. With you both sharing the final four. It means you're both going to have someone in the final three. And it means that, given that no switches were used, someone made a very bad decision this week. And it wasn't me, for once. In First Suspicions, it's an absolute bloodbath. Matt, Michelle, and I all had literature as number one April ride Aprilbride15 had her at number 10, and Tessa had her at number 9. Matt now leaves 12 people with their First Suspicions. Natalia is leading the way with 14 points, and the lowest possible is 10. Logan is now in the lead out of the three of us with 18 points, given that Michelle and I did a very bad prediction this week. Then me on 22, and Michelle on 25. In the event that Averon is the mole, then you would be the leader of the three of us, given you had him as the lowest. I had Fraser and Thomas as lowest, and Michelle had Kim the lowest. Kim is on 2.12 out of 4, with Fraser on 2.35. Averon on 2.65, and Thomas on 2.88. Kim jumps up to 2.05, including the three of us. Fraser 2.30. Avron slightly drops, and Thomas drops to 3. In the Netherlands, Suspects, Kim is on 35%, plus 4 from last week. Then Frazier at 30%, plus 6. Everyone at 23%, plus 6. And Thomas at 12, plus 2. Now, we did reference it last week. Um, We have a little bit of Belgian news. In that, on Saturday, a trailer for Play 4 appeared, with Papavea de Costa parachuting into a scene. The parachute had the letter X on it for Season 10. And the coordinates on the screen led to Lanzarote, and actually leads to a place called La Casa Sola, which looks like a field with a building in the middle of it with a green door. And then on Sunday, they confirmed, thanks to Jill, that they are island hopping around the Canary Islands.
1: Oh, they're doing the Canaries? Awesome.
0: I didn't realise you'd missed this news. Yeah, they're doing the Canary Islands. We've no more news than that, and hopefully we won't for a couple more weeks for reasons that you are well aware of. But yeah, they have officially confirmed that they are at least starting in Lanzarote and they will be island hopping around the Canaries. Sadly, this does break the um, the Dutch and Belgian mole streak of brand new countries or brand new areas because um, a German season went to the Canary Islands. But it's not been visited for a long while on, uh, on moles. Do you want to eulogise Letitia as our final thing today?
1: She gave, she gave great grave. (laughs) She executed, and now she's in a grave. Uh, She gave great confessionals. She was a fun narrator, and she shall be missed. And it was fun for you to suspect her for so long, only to have her go home a couple weeks before the final round.
0: Well, I was thinking about this yesterday, obviously after I knew the result, because it's deeply ironic that. Every single season that we have done one of these pools, I have lost someone when 5th place goes home. Because it, it happened in Vidum 20 with Leone, It happened in Renaissance when we had the double whammy of Patrick and Ron. It happened in Czechia with uh, Mariah. And now it happens with Leticia in Albania. But also... It's becoming a horrible pattern that I am a sucker for an overly suspicious redhead who goes home in fifth place <laughs> after the first week of these episodes. It has happened twice in the trot now, with Mariah and Withalicia, both my number one
1: suspects, both went home in fifth place. Don't suspect redheads anymore, Michael. That's your that's your kryptonite. I'm ginger blind.
0: What can I say? It's not fair. <laughs> But I didn't make these connections until I was thinking about it yesterday. I think I might have referenced the fact that I always lose someone when fifth goes home in um, in Czechia last year. But I'd forgotten about that. And then I remembered yesterday that that always happens. And then I remembered that Mariah was my number one suspect last year. And I'm like, for the love of God, I'm just a sucker for an overly suspicious redhead.
1: It's your mole hunting disease. It's gingivitis. So you can also do
0: the bullet spell suspect list each week, run by the wonderful Daniel Peek at the link in our description, which should be down below by now. Have you got any final thoughts?
1: Uh, no. All I know is I liked the episode more than you did. I thought two out of three challenges being twist challenges was a bit excessive. I wish it was spread over two episodes. To have One odd challenge this week, then one odd challenge next week, but hopefully it means next week is a really really good episode. Yeah, I'm aware that I've been a bit of a grumpy bastard
0: today but they just hit on a lot of my pain points in this episode. The stuff that I have been moaning about for weeks and the fact that they still haven't fixed the money is annoying and obviously the fact that I lose my team isn't ever a pleasant episode for me. It does tend to happen more often than not but yeah, it's never fun when I lose a team member it's never fun when I lose my last team member and uh, this episode wasn't particularly fun. Logan loved it, appropriately for Valentine's me, not so much, as a cold, heartless bastard.
1: That's a story of, in and of itself.
0: <laughs> it is. So, thank you for listening to our Feast of All 2022 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the new small in Albania. Don't forget to contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, rtvwarriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logsquarky, And I'm OJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week to hopefully discover
1: our final three. And in the words of Snoop Dogg from this week's Super Bowl halftime show, peace out, till the next flavoring." I want the guy to be hung.